The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. for Kanziri. Second longest touchdown run of his career at a 75-yarder against Illinois. And it's back-to-back -back Iowa drives that have ended with the ball in Kanziri's belly and then have ended with an Iowa touchdown in the end zone. Kanziri does it again. They respond, and it's back to a double-digit lead. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our special Big Ten Championship Reporters Notebook podcast. It features Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks-Heroes game win at Nebraska, and he previews the matchup between Iowa's defense and Michigan State's offense in the Big Ten title game. Then you'll hear from Scott Docterman, who previews the title game matchup between Iowa's offense and the Spartans' defense, plus special teams, and he talks playoffs and bowl scenarios. And you'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Michigan State's Mark D'Antonio. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, plus our own Tyler Chelmeland. Game highlights are courtesy of ABC with announcers Adam Amin and Kelly Stouffer. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. The undefeated Big Ten West Division Iowa Hawkeyes face the Michigan State Spartans, co-champs in the East Division, in the conference championship game this Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Kickoff is at 7.17 p.m. Central Standard Time. Iowa is 12-0, 8-0. It's a slight underdog to the Spartans, who came into this contest 11-1, 7-1, and the game is a sellout. The Hawkeyes finished the regular season on Black Friday by defeating the Nebraska Cornhuskers 28-20 to reclaim the Heroes Trophy. Iowa has all four of its rivalry trophies now. The Cyhawk versus Iowa State, the Heartland versus Wisconsin, Floyd of Rosedale versus Minnesota, and the Heroes. The Hawks are now going for the biggest one of all in the Big Ten, the Amos Alonzo Stag Championship Trophy, and a win also assures a spot in the college football playoffs as one of the final four teams. Iowa is going for its 12th Big Ten football title and its first since 2004. Michigan State is trying to secure its second conference title in the past three seasons, last winning in 2013. The Spartans have played in the championship game three of the last five years, while the Hawkeyes are making their first appearance in this contest. Iowa cruised to an improbable undefeated season, beating Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Nebraska on the road. They are ranked fourth in the college football playoff poll, third in the coaches poll, fourth in the AP. This is the first 12-0 season in school history. It's also the first undefeated team since 1922 and only the third time in school history have the Hawkeyes gone undefeated. And Iowa is one of only five schools with multiple away game wins over top 25 ranked teams. The Hawkeyes are also one of only two undefeated teams left in the FBS. The other is top-ranked Clemson. Michigan State, which comes off a very convincing win at home over Penn State, lost only once all year. That was at Nebraska on a controversial officials call near the end of the game. Along the way, the Spartans beat in-state rival Michigan and Ohio State, both on the road, both on last-second plays after never leading in either one of those games. The Spartans have also defeated two top 25 teams on the road, along with Iowa. Michigan
Michigan State is ranked fifth in the coaches poll, fifth in the AP poll, and in the most important one, fifth in the CFP poll. The Spartans have also now posted at least 11 wins five times in the last six years, and Michigan State is also 6-1 and one in its last seven games against AP top 10 teams. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 17th year at Iowa, where his record now stands at 127-85. and 85. In the Big Ten, he is now 8th in overall coaching victories and is tied for 7th in league wins. Coincidentally, Ferentz recorded his first Big Ten win as Iowa head coach, 21-16 at Kinnick Stadium in 2000 against the Spartans. Ferentz is also 7-6 lifetime against Michigan State. Kirk has been named the Big Ten Coach of the Year by both the coaches and the media. It's the fourth time he has received that accolade, previously getting it in 2002, 2004, and 2009. He becomes only the second head coach in conference history to receive the award in four or more seasons. Michigan's Bo Schembechler won it six times. Ferentz, along with Iowa grad and Oklahoma head coach Bob Stoops, are now the longest tenured college football coaches in the nation following the retirement of Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech. Spartans head coach Mark D'Antonio is in his ninth season at Michigan State, his 12th overall as a college head coach. His record with the Spartans is 86-32. D'Antonio is 3-4 and versus Iowa in his career. While the two teams have not played the past two years due to conference realignment, it's a series that has been fiercely contested between Ferentz and D'Antonio, and it's not always one that results in good blood and good feelings between the two programs, despite the respect that they hold for each other. Iowa holds a 23-20-2 advantage in the series. The schools have played two recent overtime contests, with the Hawkeyes winning both of those in double overtime in 2007 and 2012. The last time the two teams played, the Spartans came away with a 26-14 victory at Kinnick Stadium in 2013. This will be the first time the game has been played at a neutral site at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Hawkeyes will be the home team, Michigan State the visitors. What that means is that besides wearing its traditional home black uniforms, Iowa will be housed in the locker room of the Indianapolis Colts. This will be the first time the two schools meet when both are ranked in the top 10. The game is a national telecast on Fox with announcers Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. That show begins at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. The Big Ten Network will have extensive pre- and post-game coverage. On radio, as usual, it's Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak who make the call on the Hawkeye Radio Network. Network plus WSUI. The game is also being broadcast nationally on Compass Radio Networks and on XM and Sirius Satellite Radio channels 82. And ESPN's College Game Day will be in Indianapolis Saturday morning preceding the title game. Both teams will know their postseason destinations on Sunday. The winner will certainly be one of four teams headed to the college football playoffs. The first two playoff games will be played on December 31st at the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Orange Bowl. The winners of those two games will then square off for the national championship on January 11th in Glendale, Arizona. The teams in the other New Year's Day bowl games, including the Rose Bowl, will also be announced on Sunday. The Big Ten finished the regular season with three teams ranked in the CFP Top 6, Iowa, Michigan State, and Ohio State in that order, plus another two more in the Top 25, Northwestern and Michigan. The conference also has six teams ranked in the Top 25 in both the coaches' in AP polls, the same five as in the CFP poll, plus Wisconsin. Overall, the Big Ten has eight bowl-eligible teams, plus a couple more that make it to play in the postseason with five wins this year under a special NCAA exemption. Forecast for tomorrow, a few sprinkles of genius for the chance of doom. Method is going with the win right now as Kanziri gets a block from Pleba and has open space. Touchdown, Iowa, Jordan Kanziri into the end zone. Back-to-back weeks with a touchdown in his third game back from the ankle injury, and now Iowa has taken a two-score lead. Didn't take long. C.J. Beathard just handed it off for the senior out of Troy, New York. They talked about his durability and size coming out of high school. Jordan Kanziri playing at a Big Ten school, proving a lot of people wrong. (laughs) 
let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who discusses the play of his tight ends this season and the credit that assistant coach LeVar Woods gets for their improvement. Yeah, that position, I was thinking about the running back position, but this position is kind of similar to the running back position in that it's representative of our football team. We've had to make some adjustments and, and bob and weave a little bit. Uh, if you'd asked me last January, I felt really good about uh, having Jake Doozy and uh, Henry Craig Coble as our two lead guys, George, you know, coming up the ranks. And, and uh, as we all know, unfortunately, Jake had a real serious injury in the spring. So, you know, we've uh, had to adjust that way. Henry Craig Coble, I can't say enough about the improvement uh, that he's made. I think he's got every, every uh, chance and right to be an All-Big Ten tight end. You never know. Uh, that that stuff's going to pan out, but he's a tremendous football player and plays better each week as the season goes on. I'd say the same thing about George Kittle. So both those guys have really uh, improved and, and moved forward quickly, and uh, we've gotten great production with them. And hopefully Jake uh, can keep improving and, and be a little bit more, making more contributions with each week. And to your point about Lavar, you know uh, Lavar is a tremendous young person. Uh, I think he's going to be an outstanding coach, and, and I think uh, it's been helpful to have have his attention with that group solely. You know he coaches those guys day in and day out now. Meet with them. And then, you know, offensively, it's helped us too, having his perspective in the room. You know, how would the defensive guys see this when we start talking about different concepts and ideas? So I think it's really been a win-win situation. And uh, some of the adjustments we talked about, you know, we kind of got out of kilter a little bit when we tried to compensate with Norm's health issues. And to have, uh, you know, somebody full-time and, and LeVar's done a wonderful job and in short time with that group. Ference talks about the importance of and his philosophy with respect to retaining his assistant coaches despite the struggles last year. New Kirk, Maverick Kirk. Okay, so, uh, you, you know, sometimes I know in the world we live in right now, uh, walking the plank is really a popular thing. And uh, I had this discussion with somebody yesterday. The first time I really remember uh, um, assistants being being hung out to dry uh, was 83, 84. Give me a little license on that. It's been a couple of years. At a, at a pretty prominent school in our conference. And uh, I can tell you the rest of the story. Okay, this guy was uh, let go, uh, ended up coordinating at another school in the conference, and they had a big victory in that team's uh, stadium shortly thereafter and uh, uh, this this person went on to become a very successful college football coach and still is coaching and doing a great job so you know sometimes it's not all about what it appears to be you know it's a little deeper than that and uh, you know I think uh, anytime you experience adversity with if you're gonna be involved in intercollegiate athletics pro athletics high school athletics you're gonna have that you examine it and uh, you know make the best decision sometimes just about changing a few things making some tweaks and uh, and then sometimes there are a lot of other circumstances involved so you just try to size it up and do what you, you uh, feel is best for you. And, and I by no means am being judgmental. I know there's a lot of change going on right now uh, at all levels, and I'm not being judgmental. Every situation is unique, but uh, I've been here 26 years. About The only thing I know anymore is about what's going on here, and that's hopefully I've got some guy, some idea what's going on. Ference talks about the importance of poise, especially in big games like this Saturday's. To that point, even even before the game starts, I think it's real important uh, you know, our mindset going over there because it's going to be different. It's, it's a little bit like a bowl game in a lot of ways, I think, and and uh, so, yeah, I mean, you can't be in awe of the circumstances. And, and then certainly once something happens in the game, this is a very good football team we're playing. Uh, and all the teams playing this weekend are excellent. So, you know, it's, it's, they're going to make plays. They're going to make plays offensively, defensively, special teams. And then how we respond to those things really is going to dictate the success that we have and uh, or not. So, yeah, that's really the moral of the story. And it's been that way all season long. You know, again, I said this last week, I think, or I said it Friday. Our Illinois State game was a really big thing for us. I mean, that was an important game. So we've kind of looked at each one the same way, and, and hopefully we can do that uh, on Saturday. But uh, yeah, this is as good a team, best team we've played all season long, so it's going to be a big challenge for us. And Kirk was asked what it meant to him to receive athletic director Gary Barta's support after the struggles last year. I, I preferred that answer to the alternative, without a, without a doubt, but uh, I'm very appreciative of that. And that, Again, that's a, kind of what I reference about coaching at Iowa. This is a unique place, and uh, I always go back to, to where I grew up, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, They've had highs, they've had lows, uh, they've had Super Bowl seasons, and they've had seasons where they don't make the playoffs. Uh, but as an organization, they don't panic, and uh, they've had great stability there. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, we resemble that here at, at Iowa with our athletic leadership going back to Bump being here. Uh, I think 70 was when he got here. You know, we've had three athletic directors, all three have been outstanding. And, you know, as a coach, I mean, what more could a coach want than to know he's being supported?
adopted uh, by the administration. And I've worked for several presidents now. It's been the same way that way, too. So I feel very, very lucky and uh, fortunate. I didn't know that in the 80s. I, you know, I, didn't, I knew who the president was. Never met any of them, I don't think, uh, as an assistant. But as a head coach, you do. And certainly your relationship with the athletic director as a head coach is different than as an assistant. So but I think if you go back uh, since the time Coach Elliott got here, it'd probably be hard to find any coach to have a hard thing to, you know, bad thing to say about the leadership that we've had. And yeah, heck yeah, I'm really appreciative of that. Next, we hear from Michigan State's head coach, Mark D'Antonio, who provides his overview of this year's Iowa team. I think Iowa has an outstanding football team, obviously 12-0. Very, very impressed with their quarterback. And I think uh, C.J. Beathard uh, makes plays, makes good decisions. Obviously, hasn't thrown many interceptions, hasn't thrown one really since the Northwestern game, middle of the season. Good offense, very good offensive line, well-coached football team. Vandenberg, the wide receiver, impressive, makes a lot of big catches for him. Very impressed with their tight end as well. Defensively, Desmond King, right here from Detroit. She still can't believe he got away. But um, anyway, is an outstanding player, eight interceptions, and uh, kick returner, punt returner, and, and has been a very good player for them. Jordan Lomax, um, Josie Jewell, good players, good defensive line, firm. Kirk Ferentz has uh, done an outstanding job there in his time there, 17 years. He's built a culture there. He's built a program, built a legacy there, and uh, be a, a great challenge for us to be able to play and uh, and be successful. D'Antonio talks about the emphasis his team places on continued growth and improvement during and throughout the season, and on the importance of setting team goals. But well, we've asked our players to reach out you know that was you know as, as simple as that sounds we needed to do things that that we didn't get done last year and you know we've beaten the two teams that have played in the championship game last year uh, we've moved forward and but I think that there's still things out there for our football team to accomplish we've got the East Division title but uh, you know I think our players want more they want it all so they understand what they have to do to get that and uh, you know what they have to do against Iowa we've had great games versus Iowa we've got a seven-year book on those guys They've got a seven-year book on us. We haven't played the last this last year, these last two years, but they are who they are. We are who we are. Um, I think we both know that, and I think we both come to play. And uh, it's, we've had extremely tough physical games, uh, very competitive games with with the University of Iowa throughout that time. But uh, I think our players understand what they have to do. They can't they can't play sideways in this football game. There's no secrets here. You know, we built this program to a point where those are our goals now. These, you know, initially our goals were to do other things, but these are these were. This is where we're at now. This is why we've come here. Uh, we've recruited to these goals, and the fact that we've reached to this point, we've reached here. Um, we're at this point um, gives credibility to what we talk about here, and so that's what we do. We paint a picture for our players, and um, I think every coach in America probably does that. We, they paint pictures for their players and their programs, and then they try to uh, color them in. I guess. D'Antonio was asked if it's an advantage that his Spartans have played in Lucas Oil Stadium in the Big Ten Championship game before this year's contest. I think it's an advantage for us internally. I don't know versus them and all that, but for us having players have gone there in 11, and, and some of them sat in the stands because you're only allowed so many players on the field. Some of them were on the sidelines, did not play, uh, but they experienced the game. And then going there in 13, a lot of our guys played in that game uh, and being successful there. And now this is the third time in five years that we We've been able to go and play for a championship. So I think that that can't hurt us. You know, that can only help us. And um, our players can talk to the other people and, ex- and give them that experience, what the stadium is like, what's this like, um, you know, what's the um, climate like, the atmosphere like. It's a sellout. Um, should be very exciting for them. Game day's there again. So this will be the fourth time we played on game day, I guess, or had game day there. Uh, so that'll be exciting as well. D'Antonio was asked about Iowa's style of defense. I think that they're, you know, they're two gap people up front, which makes makes it difficult to run. Their linebackers are thumpers. They play downhill. Uh, their secondary is um, very technique oriented. You know, uh, they play very disciplined. Uh, and you know that you may get something here, but they'll take away something else over there. They're just they're extremely disciplined. They run. They fit. They fit the gaps correctly, and um, and they tackle well in space. You know, they don't give up a lot of big plays and those type of things. So um, they've just been very consistent over the years and I think that my feeling is if you have a system and you critique your system which they do every year I'm sure you try and change it and tweak it to make it better as you go as you move forward and over the course of time your players you know you become a product of your system you become a product of your environment this is what you do this is how you do it and they understand how to do that and they play fast doing it and I think there sometimes this doesn't make it perfect because you wish you had certain components probably I'm speaking of our defense or whatever our offense whatever you, you have certain things that are missing but it's it's easier and better to play fast than it is to, to change up everything and, and start from scratch. And Coach D'Antonio was asked if the national perception of the Big Ten Conference may be changing. 
You know, this is, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that uh, I've always been here and said the Big Ten has tremendous coaches and um, concepts that are, that are being taught, and they have outstanding players that play in this conference, student-athletes. And the difference between these conferences are inches, and they're, they're about matchups, particular teams versus teams, they're, the different matchups they have. And so you don't see too much of it. You see a little bit of it, cross-section of playing at the beginning of the year, and then you see bowl games. And everybody's assumptions are based on bowl games in those first couple. After that, you're playing within your conference. But I think there's great college parity in college football. I've said this before, and I think on any given day, another team can be as good as that particular team they're playing and, and win. And you, you've seen that across the, across the country this year. It's tipped in the air and picked off, and Parker Hesse bangs it in for a touchdown. Iowa brought safety pressure that time, forcing Armstrong into a much quicker throw than he wanted. Parker Hesse, the redshirt freshman with his first career pick, taking over that defensive end spot left by the outstanding and injured Drew Ott. Hesse has stepped into that role left by a very good player and comes up clutch with a big defensive play to put Iowa in front. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer, protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our first weekly Reporter's Notebook segment in this show. This one is with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the win at Nebraska, and he previews Iowa's defense versus Michigan State's offense in this Saturday's Big Ten title game. Steve, before we look ahead at the Iowa defense-Spartan offense matchup, let's take one last look back at Iowa's historic and certainly very critical win in the Heroes game over Nebraska last Friday. Yeah, quite quite a, a finish to a, a memorable season, regular season for the Hawkeyes, no question. You know, there, there certainly was uh, you know a little angst going into Lincoln. Uh, Nebraska had an awful lot to play for, and uh, you know the Iowa defense did a nice job of setting the tone with. Uh, four picks off of a, a very inconsistent Tommy Armstrong. He, he's shown the ability to be awfully good, and he's been awfully inconsistent at times, and uh, he picked a bad day to have a bad game, and, and Iowa certainly benefited. It was, uh, you know, everything that uh, that the Hawkeyes would have hoped for. Uh, they give up some yards, and, and I think that is a little concern moving forward here. That it's four straight games now. The opponent is, is pushed uh, 400 yards against Iowa, and uh, you know, that, that is a little, uh, a little concerning, I think, but uh, uh, you know, you take a win on a, on a cold, blustery November day in Lincoln and, and, and move forward. Turning now to the Big Ten Championship game, you have an Iowa defense that has a number of players on all Big Ten. First team, Desmond King. Second team, Josie Jewell. Nate Meyer on third. Jordan Lomax on the third. Matching up with a very solid Michigan State offense. Connor Cook, their quarterback. Big Ten quarterback of the year. First team, all Big Ten. Also wide receiver Aaron Burbridge and center Jack Allen and left tackle Jack Conklin. So it's a game right off the bat that will feature a lot of all Big Ten players. Absolutely. This is uh, the type of matchup you would hope to see in the championship game and, and there is no question that uh, Michigan State's offense has is, is been a real interesting study this season. There's no question about that. They certainly have a quarterback in Connor Cook who from start to finish has been regarded as one of you know maybe two or three real elite quarterbacks in, in the conference. And he certainly hasn't done anything to uh, to, to change that perception, he, he's not uh, you know he, he's not the fleetest of foot, he, he, but he can run the football. He's got a great arm. Uh, he can make short throws, long throws. You know, mixes mixes passes well, and, and he's got you know another terrific receiver in Burbridge, who uh, you know it, it seems like every year Michigan State kind of develops one of those guys, and uh, he's become their go-to guy this season. He's had an All Big Ten season for a reason. He's an awfully good receiver and is exceptional at making yards after the 
catch. Before we really start to look deep about the Michigan State offense, spend a little bit of time on Iowa's defense. It might surprise a lot of people to know that when you look at the stats matchup going into this game, that Iowa's defense has a slight edge over Michigan State's defense. And of course, the Spartans defense gets a lot of publicity nationwide and in the Big Ten for how good it is. And it's been terrific, especially the last uh, three or four years. But again, Iowa's allowed just nine rushing TDs, which ties Michigan for the fewest in the Big Ten. But they allowed only one of those through their first eight games. They've given up eight rushing TDs the last four games, to your point about how many yards they've surrendered recently. Yeah, and some of it has to do with who Iowa's played. They've seen some pretty good offenses the last few weeks. But, uh, you know, some of it, I think, is injury-related. You know, Nate Meyer has uh, been dealing with, with a couple things, a shoulder injury and a bit of a leg injury that have been kind of problematic here the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I think that has impacted Iowa's pass rush a little bit. I think that, uh, you know, their ability to get to the quarterback has been a little bit diminished, and I think that certainly has allowed teams to move the ball a little more effectively against the Hawkeyes. And, you know, he he is expected to play on Saturday. Uh, he's uh, one of those guys that I think that's just kind of banged up over the course of the season. And, uh, you know, it's a situation. They certainly, uh, this is a time of year where Drew Ott would be awfully uh, convenient to have in that lineup right now. And, and with him out, it, it does make a difference, of course. Even with that yardage they've given up the last three or four games, they still limit opponents to only 110 rushing yards per game, which is second in the conference and sixth nationally and only 3.4 yards per carry. So that's still solid average. Uh, you just alluded to the fact that they have not been able to pressure quarterbacks the last couple of weeks in particular, and that would be of special concern going into this game, given how accurate Michigan State's quarterback, Connor Cook, is downfield passing. Yeah, no question. Uh, he, he's got, uh, he, he's one of maybe two two or three quarterbacks in this conference. I, I'd throw Nate Sudfeld into, into the same mix. That, uh, they're, they're a threat to make plays. If you give them time, he, he certainly has the ability to, to uh, pinpoint the receiver at, at the optimum moment, and, and he's had a, a, you know, he's 33 and 4 as a starter, uh, and that speaks to itself. He's, he's a guy who, as Kirk alluded to earlier this week, uh, kind of had his coming out party in Iowa City a couple of years ago, and uh, he led them on a second half rally after kind of a real wobbly performance the week before at Notre Dame, and uh, he really has never looked back from that point. They're very aggressive on their downfield passes. 18% have been for 20 yards or more, 56% for 10 yards or more. Cook seems to be really accurate on those longer passes, kind of average on the mid-range, and he struggled a little bit with his accuracy on the short passes, especially over the middle. Yeah, and some of that I think probably has a little something to do, too, with kind of the inconsistencies that they've had on their offensive line due to a lot of injuries this season. It's, you know, They seem to be kind of moving beyond that right now. If you take a look at what they've done over the last couple of games, and in, in particular, you know, the success that he had coming back off of an injury last week against Penn State, he really uh, uh, looked like the kind of cook that everybody expected him to be this season. Yeah, their offensive line has been by committee due to injuries, almost really just parallel to Iowa's situation on the offensive line. Even with all of that, they've given up just 15 sacks all year. They've come on strong again the last couple of games. And just like Iowa's offensive line, the Michigan State offensive line is one of the finalists for the Joe Moore Award. Yeah, and the amazing part about what they've done is they've, they've done it piecemeal. Uh, he's used six different offensive line combinations, and it wasn't by desire. It, uh, they got awfully thin on the offensive line uh, late September, early October. And uh, the one thing that is done now is guys have come back off of injuries. It's uh, it's allowed them to develop some real depth and some rotations there to keep a lot of fresh bodies on, on the field. And you know, I thought we saw a couple weeks ago against uh, Ohio State and, and certainly again last week against Penn State that, uh, you know, they, they've kind of come into their own. And, you know, they've got a first-team All-Big Ten center in, in Jack Allen who was, who was hyped as the best center in the league going into this season. And, and while Austin Blythe has uh, certainly had a little more consistent season, I think maybe than even Allen has, Allen certainly has earned some of the accolades that he has received. And, and uh, you know, he's got plenty of, you know, of company there. I mean, uh, you know, Jack Conklin's a guy that's been around for a couple of years, and, and, and Donovan Clark at the right guard is another guy that uh, has played a lot of football for Michigan State over time. And uh, it's a very physical line, much like Iowa's line. They set a very aggressive tone. They uh, they have a fifth-year senior in, in Trayvon Pendleton at a fullback position who is very much like Megan Blella and, and Adam Cox for the Hawks. 
clock, guys. It's almost, a, you know, look like looking into a mirror. The running game hasn't exactly been the most productive, but it has been, you know, it's been sufficient. And it has, seems to be gaining a little bit of traction. And I think a lot of that has to do, too, with just the fact that they've been able to, to get some bodies back on the offensive line and, you know, get a little consistency going there because that certainly was impacted earlier in the season. But, you know, Jared Holmes or, or LJ Scott or a couple of young guys that have kind of, you know, gotten their feet wet a little bit this year. I mean, this isn't way beyond Bell, but uh, it certainly is a, you know, it's a a Michigan State running game that you have to respect to a degree. Apparently, they unveiled a new running threat against Penn State last week when their center, Jack Allen, rushed for a touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Mark Antonio has done that on a couple of occasions during his career. and It it was kind of a tribute to, to, uh, uh, you know, to what Jack has contributed over time. And, and, uh, you know, he's shown a willingness to, to put a special play in for, for a guy like Allen who has who has really contributed in, in a pretty big way to that program over four seasons and to do that in, in his final home game is, is a really nice tribute and, and, and I think it speaks to kind of Mark Antonio's personality and, and, and the way that he goes about uh, caring for his, his student athlete. Talked about their running backs they've started three different running backs over the course of the year. Each of those has posted at least 100 yard plus game rushing. Gerald Holmes has started the last five games. He's got eight touchdowns, averages five yards a carry. L.J. Scott's been a really good back for them, 5.2 yards a carry, 10 TDs, and they've also gotten some production out of Madre London. A redshirt freshman, uh, you know, again, this is one of those years where they kind of went into the season trying to figure out exactly what they had at running back, and, and you know, not unlike Iowa, I think that they found that they've got a couple guys who, who can certainly get some things done out there on a given Saturday, and, you know, you've got an L.J. Scott, you've got your your, your prototypical thick power back, and, and you, you've got a couple guys in Holmes and, and London who are a little smaller and, and maybe have a little a little more wiggle in the run and and it, you know it, it's a it's a good combination and, and it's something that I was going to have to be prepared for no question just like teams have had to prepare for the Hawkeyes their total offense they're averaging 399.4 yards per game the Hawkeyes defense has only given up just under 332 yards per game Michigan State averages 33.4 points per game back to Connor Cook he's uh, 33 and four overall in his career as a starter. That's an 891 winning percentage. Those are great numbers. 22 and 2 in the Big Ten. That's even better. 917. Interestingly, of course, Michigan State is facing a top 10 team this week in Iowa. And it's uh, 4 and 1 when it plays a top 10 team and 7 and 3 versus top 25 the last few years. And they've played really well all year long, especially Cook, even though he missed parts of two games with a shoulder injury, which still might be lingering a bit going into this contest. Yeah, I think, you know, I think he he's probably not 100%, but he showed last week that he, he certainly was uh, capable of competing. Uh, yeah, he did not play against Ohio State. Michigan State's got two wins over top 10 teams this season. Uh, a win over Oregon at home early on and, and that win in Columbus a couple weeks ago. And Yeah, you know, while Connor Cook wasn't the guy against Ohio State, he was the guy in terms of, of kind of leading those two younger quarterbacks. Uh, Tyler O'Connor came in and Damian Terry, uh, they kind of shouldered the load uh, that night and, and and, it, you know, it turned out to be something I think that was probably beneficial for Michigan State, not only now, but moving forward. Uh, they've given a couple of young guys some awfully big experience on a big stage. And, you know, Cook was there to support him and lead him. And, and, you know, I think he really showed his leadership that week. And, and that's probably one of the reasons that, you know, he was selected as the first-team All-Big Ten quarterback over C.J. Bathard. You know, every bit is deserving for what he's, he's done for the Hawkeyes this season. Pleading 57.6% of his passes, 24 passing touchdowns. Four picks. The four picks are second fewest in the Big Ten. Who's number one? C.J. Beathard. Cook averages 248.2 passing yards per game, and Iowa's defense all year has been, as we've talked, very good against the run. They have been uh, suspect on some longer pass plays, but overall, they've still given up not very many uh, explosive plays all year. They've been good at setting the edge. Might not be quite as big an issue this game with Connor Cook, not real fleet of foot, and they've been very very aggressive with the linebacker play too, which should be again a significant factor in this game. Yeah, uh, you know, hopefully Ben Neiman will be good to go on Saturday. I think Iowa's defense has been, uh, you know, vastly improved this season in part because of his what he's contributed to the Hawkeyes from, from that outside position and his quickness is something I think that would be very beneficial against uh, against a pretty potent Michigan State team. This is going to be one of those games I think that if either team can get anything going on the ground, that that probably will give them a, a little bit of an advantage and 
but I think the Hawkeye defense, uh, in particular the front seven, are going to have to put together one of their better games. If, they, if they're able to do that, I think the Hawkeyes have a legitimate shot to, to get out of Indy with a, with a victory. Iowa's play in the defensive secondary has been pretty decent all year, exceptional at points in the season. Of course, Desmond King still leads the country in picks with eight. Maben, Greg Maben has been coming on really strong lately. He had a very good game against Nebraska, and the safety play with both Lomax and Taylor has also been very good and getting better as the season's gone along. Yeah, Jordan Lomax is one of those guys that uh, I don't know if he gets quite the respect that he deserves. Uh, certainly the coaches know about him and the game plan, but he's one of those guys who just kind of quietly goes about his business, but, uh, you know, he, he's really had a terrific season and it really complements what, uh, you know, Desmond King has brought to the one side. And, and frankly, I think Greg Maben has, has made good steady progress this season. It's a nice combination. And that's something that, that will impact uh, the way Michigan State throws the ball. You know, they're going to be aware of where Desmond is at on the field, and, and uh, I would expect Greg is going to get tested quite a bit, and, and we'll see how this goes. But I, I think that uh, Iowa secondary is probably one of the Hawkeyes' advantages if you had to go position by position on, the, on this matchup. And I, I think it certainly is something that uh, there'll be a worthy test for a, a pretty productive group of Michigan State receivers. Now, game in game matchup be real interesting to see Cook's accuracy and strength on the downfield long passes versus uh, Iowa's defense all year only giving up 12 plays of 30 plus yards. When Cook looks to pass, you mentioned a wide receiver Aaron Burbridge who's really had a terrific year. Seven touchdowns. He's only the seventh Spartan wide receiver in history to have over a thousand receiving yards per season. And then in the red zone, he may not have a real classy or real glossy stats or tight end Josiah Price. He only averages 21.5 yards per game receiving, but he's got six touchdowns. He's another one of the quality tight ends uh, you know, he's a third-team All-Big Ten pick, which uh, you know speaks to uh, to the quality of his, his abilities. And he's somebody that I was going to have to be very wary of. He's only got 18 catches on the year, but uh, six of those have ended up where you want them to end up. And you, you take a look at uh, the way he kind of complements, uh, you know, Burbridge. Uh, Burbridge's quickness and, and yards after tackle ability. Price is one of those not unlike uh, Henry Krieger Coble for Iowa. He, he, he's a pretty consistent threat when when they went to go with him. Other interesting thing, to some degree, a, a mirror image of each other again are turnovers, turnover margin. Iowa and Michigan State are co-leaders in the Big Ten with plus 14 in that regard. Iowa leads the Big Ten with 17 interceptions, and both teams have just 11 turnovers. Iowa's are eight fumbles and three picks, and Michigan State's are six fumbles and five picks. Monte Nicholson and, and, and Demetrius Cox and, and certainly Riley Bullock, you know, they've got some threats to pick the wall, and, and that's something that Iowa's going to have to be fair. Up to. The Hawkeyes also lead the Big Ten in their second nationally with four pick-six plays after Parker Hesse's nifty little play against the Cornhuskers last week where he batted it to himself and took it in for a TD. Pretty athletic move there for a uh, former quarterback. He, you know, he, he showed he knew what to do with it when he had the ball in his hands. And, you know, he, he read that play so well. To be able to go up and get that, to be able to tip it and tip it to himself and then take it in, there certainly wasn't anybody that was going to catch him. There wasn't anybody within 10 yards of him, but it was as open of a, a run back as, you, as you're going to see. and That worked out pretty well for, for Parker and it certainly uh, gave Iowa 14-7 lead at the time and, and uh, the Hawkeyes never trailed again. So, you know, it, it was one of those days when the defense kind of stepped up and, and did its thing at the right moment and uh, and that certainly was the right moment for Parker Hesse. I think this is a really intriguing Big Ten title game and for the Spartans they're 5-1 and one in games decided by a touchdown or less this season. Now they had a couple of strange things happen to them in the Nebraska game on the negative side, but in the Michigan game on the positive side with the blocked punt at the end of the game where they run it in for a touchdown to pull out the win. But they, interesting, they defeated Michigan and Ohio State both on the road this year, both in the final play of regulation, and both without ever leading in the entire game prior to those plays. Yeah, it's pretty rare. You know, it it does illustrate one thing, though, and one of the things that the Antonio teams are known for, they're going to give you 60 minutes. And you know, by by not giving up in those situations, they were able to to uh, you know to come through a couple of uh, huge victories that you know pretty much put them in this game. You know, they don't get either one of those, and and you're looking probably at a different situation here. And and it it, it speaks to you know the kind of intensity and effort that, that the Hawkeyes are going to have to deal with on Saturday night because certainly uh, uh, Michigan State's going to bring it for 60, and, and I would suspect that Iowa's preparing to do the same. And to that point, Iowa's defense is really 
really been solid in the fourth quarter, closing out the games. It's been a season-long strength, and and you take a look at at what uh, you know what didn't happen a year ago, and what has happened this season in terms of you know just the ability to, to recover onside kicks, and you know back-to-back weeks by Henry Krieger Coble. It, it's it's night and day, and and a lot of his confidence, and a lot of it, frankly, is, is just you know the emphasis that has been put on finishing since since January is really paying off. Well, it's time for your prediction. I guess I'll look into that crystal ball, right? One last time for for uh, at least a regular season there. You know, I, I think this is a game that Iowa can win, and I, I think it's... Uh, I don't mind Iowa going into this situation as an underdog. I think it's uh, it'll be a new experience. They're going to face their toughest challenge of the year. Uh, I do think that uh, something on special teams may have a little bit to do with this, but uh, and I think Iowa's running backs, frankly, I think are, are maybe a little better prepared to, to uh, grind out a few yards that may be very beneficial in this one. And I'm going to take the Hawkeyes, and I'm going to take them 21 to 17. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the middle of the film. From shot position, Armstrong on play action, looking for more in double coverage, picked up by Greg Maven. Maven to the 29-yard line out of bounds. Second interception of the season for the redshirt junior out of Fort Lauderdale. Greg Maven just reads the quarterback, reads the route, and then goes and make a makes a play on the football. That's what makes Iowa so tough defensively. They know their alignment, they know their assignment, they know their keys, and then they finish on the football so, so well. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll-free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. Now it's time for our second Reporter's Notebook segment this week. This one is with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks at the Big Ten title game matchup between the Hawkeyes offense and the Spartans defense, plus special teams, and he talks playoffs and bowls. Scott, let's take a deep dive into Iowa's offense versus Michigan State's defense. On paper, both teams statistically are are close to even in a lot of categories, but if you break it down offensively as well as defensively, there's really a slight edge to Iowa. It would probably surprise a lot of people, but on Iowa's offense... You have one first-team All-Big Ten and right guard Jordan Walsh. A little hard to explain how Austin Blythe didn't get there, but he did make second-team. Bethard, second-team quarterback. Kanzuri, third running back. Michigan State's defense, which has been very good each of the last four years. They're the only team to rank in the top ten in both total defense and rush defense all past four seasons. They only ended up with one player defensive end, Shalit Calhoun, on the All-Big Ten first team. But if you look at this, go right down the category, it looks like a pretty even match. Yeah, it is a pretty even matchup. I mean, first of all, you look statistically, and that kind of shows that this is, uh, you know, a fairly even matchup on paper. However, this isn't the normal Big Ten that we're, we're used to, that we've been used to over the last several years. I mean, you know, they've only played four opponents, like opponents this year, common opponents. And, but you know, but then the numbers are fairly similar with when you look at it that way. Uh, you know, you, you've got Iowa at played Purdue. It was 20 to nothing in the second quarter. Michigan State was up 21 to nothing. You know, Iowa beat Maryland by 16. Michigan State 
beat Maryland by 17. Uh, Indiana was a really close game in the fourth quarter for both teams. Michigan State was up by two, or you know, actually midway through the fourth, and Iowa was up one early in the fourth, and so both teams kind of broke away. And, and Nebraska provided the kind of the difference maker, um, but but I look at it more or less that Michigan State was up 12 with four minutes to go before losing, where Iowa won by eight and was up 11 with about four minutes to go. So I think it's uh, you know it's a fairly even matchup. I think offensively against Michigan State's defense, this is Iowa's best offensive attack I've seen in a long time, and part mostly that's because of Fallon. And uh, it starts, of course, at quarterback C.J. Beathard, who is a second-team All-Big Ten selection behind Michigan State's Connor Cook. And uh, you know, and part of that is his efficiency. I didn't think he'd be this efficient this year. I thought he could do a lot of good things, but I thought he'd have a lot of almost Brett Favre moments of no, 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 yes, yes, yes type moments. But no, he you know he's kept the ball clean. You know, he's he's not really forced too many bad throws. Uh, that's unusual with a guy with his kind of arm. They try to force a lot of things. You know, so the offense runs through him and with him, and uh, it's it's pretty obvious that he's the guy, the straw that stirs the drink. 14 touchdowns, th- only three interceptions, completes the ball at, at a really good rate. Just, you know, all around a, a great quarterback. Going against this Michigan State defense, this will be his best, his biggest test. It's comparable to the Pitt defense, which I think was a little underrated, and a lot of that, you know, of course had to deal with Pat Narduzzi, the former Michigan State defensive coordinator who provided this template for the Spartans that we've used to, to dominate, really, the Big Ten the last three years. And uh, But, you know, they have a very active front, and an underrated front, I would say. Shalee Calhoun, as you mentioned, a first-team All-Big Ten. He's a guy everybody's known about for the last three to four years. So there's really nothing with him that anybody doesn't understand. It's just, to me, you know, the guy that's... that's, that's uh, they've got two very underrated players and senior defensive end Lawrence Thomas, uh, who's a big physical guy, kind of like McMullen from Nebraska. And then uh, Joel Heath, who's also a veteran, a big 6'6 guy at defensive tackle. But the most amazing athlete on the field for either team will be nose guard Malik McDowell. He was a five-star recruit that really came down to the end between Ohio State and Michigan State. He plays nose tackle. He's 6'6", 275. Reminds me of Jadavian Clowney. Maybe not quite as quick, but certainly maybe a thicker guy. He's a he's going to line up right over the top of Austin Blythe. And as you mentioned, Austin Blythe to me is the best center in the country. However, the only other guy who's got that claim is uh, Michigan State's Jack Allen, who picked Michigan State over Iowa several years ago. And uh, he has the name recognition, so that therefore he gets the, got the nod on, on that one. So the key matchup up front, and maybe that will determine a lot of the game's outcome, has to be what can guys like Austin Blythe, Sean Welsh, and Jordan Welsh do against guys like Keith and McDowell. Shalik Calhoun is a guy that if you can run at him, I think you're okay because he's only 250 pounds and Iowa is pretty physical at the point of attack. They're tight ends block as well as anybody in the country. And if you if you can neutralize him in the pass game, don't let him get after you. And the last time they played, he had four purries against Iowa quarterback Jake Rudock. I think Iowa will be okay. But uh, you've got to neutralize his pass rushing skills. But I think how Iowa handles Malik McDowell and Joel Heath in the middle will determine how they're able to control the ball, control the, their drives and the clock. Because I think, you know, they've got some good linebackers, maybe not as great as they once were, but they are pretty good. So um, I think controlling the line of scrimmage is what's going to be really important for Iowa on offense. And I think they're capable of doing it. But Malik McDowell is a guy who will make a few plays and a few wow plays. Most observers describe Michigan State's defense as similar to Iowa's, but there are some twists. They're both 4-3 defenses, but D'Antonio calls his defense a multiple 4-3. They do some things differently, and they play more man coverage in the secondary. Yeah, the only thing that's really similar between the two is the fact that they're both 4-3 defenses, and that Iowa is pretty straightforward in its defensive approach. In fact, most of the time, they don't deviate from a 4-3 in acceptance to third and long, and sometimes I think they should deviate a little bit more from it um, and go nickel, but uh, Michigan State is a multiple front. They're generally 4-3, but they move people around to, to get best matchups. They blitz. They throw guys in at different situations. You don't know necessarily where they come come from, and they are violent when they get there. So uh, this is a, a defense that's that's uh, very aggressive. Attacks the run. Attacks the line of scrimmage. Tries to get to the quarterback. That's going to be dangerous for Iowa. However, when you look, there's one area where they're vulnerable. Now, I, I'll say this first, that Iowa in the run game is capable of establishing the line of scrimmage against Michigan State. It will be tough and phys- 
physical, as it always is in this game against these two teams. However, Iowa is probably most capable of doing something in the passing game. Michigan State ranks ninth in the Big Ten. You know, they've got 14 interceptions, but they've also allowed 17 touchdown passes. uh, They've had an incredible amount of talent in the defensive backfield. They've got talent there now. They're just not quite as experienced as they once were. And part of that is because R.J. Williamson, one of their better safeties, has been out for a long time here and he's still unlikely to play. So uh, they've lost over the last couple of years Trey Wayne and Arquez Denard, both the first team or first round NFL draft pick. So they are vulnerable to the pass if Iowa can keep McDowell and Calhoun out of Beathard's face. To your point, they've had seven different starting lineups in their defensive secondary due to injuries. They do yield an average of 349 yards per game. The Hawkeyes average 404 yards a game on offense. State gives up 21 points per game. Iowa averages uh, 33.7. So, you know, those stats are are interesting to me, but what's most interesting, and to your point, I think Iowa has the better rushing game, and I think Iowa has the more balanced offensive attack. They've been balanced all season. 4,851 yards, 2,444 of those on the ground, 2,407 passing. That's almost perfectly equal. And that's exactly what Kirk Ferentz wants. He wants a combination of the run and the pass. Now, you know, of course, if you can run the ball in every playing game seven or eight yards a carry, you're going to do that. I mean, that's a safe way to play, but but you're not going to be able to do that in any kind of football, especially not in the Big Ten. So having a guy like C.J. Beathard be able to direct the offense, be able to pass, hit big plays, and then also be able to run at will. I mean, at a a clip of 4.8 yards per carry. I remember talking to Brian Ferentz back in August on Media Day, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator, and I asked him, yards per carry an important stat anymore? Because there's so many spread teams that average a lot more. And he goes, for us, it's a very critical stat. If we have anywhere between four and a half and five yards per carry, then that's not meaning we're going to be a good team. It means we can be a championship of caliber. And I think that's really important to remember, and I remembered it obviously all year long, that this is a team that's averaging 4.8 yards per carry, and that's why you're seeing it a 12 and 0 football team uh, that's very physical at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, the stats you towards Iowa heavily, the one thing, if it's an asterisk or whatever you want to use here, that you've got it, you have to remember is they do play in a better division. Michigan State faces Ohio State, faces Michigan, and, and then they've also played against Oregon, you know, which is really a high-tempo, pass-happy offense, and, and even Air Force uh, is a very good team that runs the ball at will. It's a very difficult team to compete against. So, not to take away from anybody that Iowa's played or in the West Division, you know, Northwestern, Wisconsin, or Pittsburgh, who I thought all three were terrific, but when you're playing at, a, you know, the other team, your stats are going to be a little bit skewed. So, while Iowa is a little bit ahead in just about every statistical category, I would rate it just about even, just based on the level of competition. A couple of little statoids about Bethard, as we've talked quite a bit about him already. He's 13-0. and He's only the third quarterback in FBS history, the other two being Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, to start 13-0. and He's hitting almost 61% of his passes. You mentioned how critical his running has been. His 2,639 yards of total offense are already 11th best in Iowa season history. And I, I would say, you know, so much of him is what he can do and what he's put up, but, but the intangibles are, to me, his greatest strength. He has great feel on the field. He understands, you know, when and where to put the ball. That's something that he didn't have two years ago. I remember when Jake Rudock got knocked out against Wisconsin in 2013. I mean, it was a 14-9 game in the middle of the fourth quarter, and uh, C.J. Beathard goes in and promptly throws the ball all the way down the field when he's missing checkdowns. He was 4-17 that day. He's developed a great feel. He's always been a terrific competitor. And, you know, and some of the small, some plays that are just, you pass through the night are some of his most important ones. I think of uh, at Iowa State where he was dove over the goal line and prevented a safety. And then on the next play, he takes off and runs for 50-whatever yards. Um, against Pitt uh, on third and seven, he, you know, from the 47-yard line, he can scramble uh, with only a handful of seconds left. He scrambles, runs for eight yards, gets the first down, gets down, calls timeout, and Iowa is able to win the game on a 57-yard field goal. So those small plays, the checks that he get calls, that sometimes he checks into a run play that goes big. He can do so many different things that way. And then, of course, statistically, I mean, you know, 14 TDs, three interceptions. Uh, he's a second-team All-Big Ten quarterback behind Connor Cook. His competitor is 
counterpart this weekend. I think that's uh, that tells me a lot about C.J. Beathard. But uh, this game is at a different level, a different plane. It's a you know it's the highest profile game in the country on Saturday night. So I think this is a this is a chance for him to really show what he's capable of doing. And it might not be statistically, but it might be just you know commonplace that uh, that can elevate Iowa into a status they've never attained. It's interesting for the Hawkeyes' offense this year. They've shown a terrific capability of sustaining long drives. They have six touchdown drives over 90 yards, 18 over 75. But they've also shown more explosive capability this season than in recent memory. And they have seven drives of two plays or less. And uh, and, and again, that's, that shows you the balance that they have. And, and I think they are very underrated when it comes offensively to what people projected. And they think of Iowa as slow and methodical, grind it out. Okay, sure, they can do that too. But uh, they do have big play capabilities. You've got Tavon Smith, who is, you know, to me, one of the maybe the top five or six wideouts in the Big Ten when it comes to big play capability. He's had some big passes, you know, not maybe as many lately, but he certainly did early in the season. And then Matt Vandenberg, all he seems to do is get open and get first downs and the way they do it with, uh, and then you look at the run game. I mean, how many big, fast run plays have we seen lately? Last week, Jordan Canzeri had two explosive run plays. One, I think, is 68. The other is 29 or 39. And then he had a 75-yarder. And then you look at LaShawn Daniels at a 51-yarder. I mean, this is a team that's capable of bust and loose. So, uh, you know, one, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. So if anybody seems to think that Iowa doesn't have that ability, they haven't played them or watched them close enough yet. So Iowa does have some uh, big play capability, and they've certainly showed it. And we can't turn the page here without giving a lot of credit for all of that, not only to Iowa's offensive line, which to some degree has been by committee, not unlike Michigan State's this season, but also to the, the terrific blocking and play of Iowa's fullbacks, Pleva and Cox, and the great blocking by Iowa's wide receivers and tight ends downfield. Yeah, I mean, last week on both of those touchdown runs from Kanzari, they were set up by incredible blocking, mostly by the fullbacks. They were two different plays, uh, but they appeared the same. One had the fullback blocking out, kicking out on the block. The other one had him curling in and, and, and holding the edge. Both times, two different backs. Both times, they, Iowa was able, they, they not only won the block, but they won it devastatingly. Henry Krieger Koble had a, was able to get a reach block, kind of hooked on defensive end uh, Greg McMullen and blew him up. Drove him 8 to 10 yards off his perch to open up the hole for Jordan Kanzari. And then you look, and, and underrated was Tavon Smith. He blocked his guy completely out of bounds. So that's, that's what separates Iowa from other teams is it's not just their lineman blocking. It's their fullbacks blocking. It's their tight ends blocking. It's the wide receivers blocking down the field. That's the difference between a seven-yard gain and a 70-yard gain. And all of those guys doing it together. I mean, this is Iowa's best blocking fullback panel and maybe combined best fullback they've had, you know, in Kirk Ferentz's era. And both of them started off as, as basically nobody linebackers, and here they are as fullbacks. So I, I, right now, their blocking is underrated on the edge, and it certainly is a fullback. Before we turn the page here and talk some special teams, one last note our Michigan State's defense. It was terrific when they played Michigan and Ohio State. They combined in those two games, only gave up 15 first downs, and they held both of those teams to season lows in total offense and rush offense. So Iowa certainly has its work cut out Saturday. No doubt about it. And, and I think Ohio State is going to look back at the way they called that game offensively. It was a cold, windy day in Columbus, you know, and uh, Michigan, the Michigan State played as good of a defensive game, called as good of a defensive Defensive game as I can ever remember. Uh, they held Ohio State to five first downs. I believe it was 132 total yards. Only two first downs after halftime. You know, both of the touchdowns Ohio State got were because of short fields. One was a fumbled punt at the six-yard line. So I think it's uh, you know right now you're looking at Iowa going or uh, Michigan State and, and you know they're able in big games they played incredibly well on defense. I mean you know and really you know Connor Cook's whole career. I mean he kind of gets to own it a little bit, but, but the, for the last three years, I mean, they, they've won six out of the last seven games against top ten opponents, and you don't do that by having a soft defense, and they, they've won their share of shootouts, but not very many, because they, they, the other team can't get there, so uh, this is a team that's uh, very capable of shutting down an offense um, if you allow them to control the line of scrimmage. Both teams are plus 14 in turnover margins, so look for, for that maybe to be a key in this game. Special teams, if you look down the line, Iowa might have a slight advantage here. Michigan State's 13th in punting. They're 
13th in punt returns, they're 8th in kick returns. You know, on the other hand, Dylan Kidd has been really improved this year, or over 40 yards per punt, and of course Desmond King is uh, second in the Big Ten in both kick returns average and punt returns average, but as you discussed and brought up to Kirk at his press conference on Tuesday, uh, which he sort of jokingly uh, thanked you for doing that, Michigan State special teams have been a thorn in Iowa sides in recent history. And part of that is the way that they coach trick play. And I, I wrote, I'm writing about this, and that is that Iowa, over the last uh, four, five, six years, special teams has been a huge thorn in their side in general. Iowa has always looked at itself, and I think rightly so, on the same type of plane as, as Wisconsin and Michigan State. You know, we kind of joked there are three polar bears on the same sheet of ice. Well, the problem is, in 2010, when Brad Nortman's fake uh, punts, when Iowa was up six points with six minutes to go in the game, if they were able to, to get the punt, you know, and force it, and then uh, they had a chance to win that game outright. That Brad Norton's fake punt kept the drive alive for Wisconsin. They won 31 to 30, and provided a separation between those two programs. With Wisconsin winning three straight, going to three straight Rose Bowls, and Iowa kind of getting left behind. Likewise, you look at Michigan State, Iowa, in, in early 2013. Michigan State led Iowa 20 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they faced fourth and seven from their own 37, and uh, and Iowa ended up uh, you know forcing them to punt, but Mike Sadler took off in a play called Hey Diddle Diddle at Sadler up the middle. 25 yards, kick a field goal, win by two scores. So this is a, you know, this has been a thorn in Iowa's side over the years. We talked about onside kicks and fake punts and what have you. Uh, you know, kicks returned for touchdowns against uh, Nebraska. So what you saw was Iowa doubled down on its uh, special teams this year. It had to get better. It was, if it didn't get better, it was going to stay in place. And I think you've seen a vast improvement in that. Now they given up some plays. There was a block punt for a touchdown against Pittsburgh, and then there was a uh, you know a, a kickoff return for a score against Maryland. But by and large, they've been pretty sound there. So Michigan State special teams is not as good as it has been. They've had some issues there. You know, they're not they don't return punts very well, unlike the past, and they don't cover either one quite as well as they've had in the past. So with Iowa being more explosive in the, in the return game, it would not surprise me at all if Desmond King got loose for a touchdown at this one, or at least a major return. So look for that to happen. I think that could happen on Saturday night. Before we get your prediction, just a couple of moments, you wrote a great article this week that explained in uh, excruciating detail all of the various bowl scenarios. What do you think is most likely to happen to the team that loses Saturday night's game? Oh, man. Um, I think probably I think it depends on the team. If Michigan State loses, they'll have two losses. That would probably elevate Ohio State past Michigan State for the Rose Bowl. But Michigan State would more than likely be headed to the Fiesta Bowl, where I could see them playing Notre Dame. Likewise, Iowa, I think, is a little more 50-50 with Ohio State. They can make, uh, uh, you know, they, they can make the case that they deserve the, the Rose Bowl over uh, over Ohio State, because the Rose Bowl is going to take what it said repeatedly, except in extreme circumstances, they're going to take the team that's ranked the highest by the selection committee. And right now, Iowa's fourth, Michigan State's fifth, and Ohio State's sixth. We presume with a loss that Ohio State moves uh, with the loss uh, in the championship game that Ohio State moves up and the loser moves behind Ohio State. But I think Iowa can make the case, especially if it's a three-point game or thereabouts and they lose. Look, the uh, you know Iowa competed with Michigan State at a neutral site, lost by three. Ohio State lost at home by three. You know, And then there's the whole fact that Iowa hadn't been in the Rose Bowl in 25 years versus Ohio State six. However, that's everybody else speculation. I'm sure this team right now is focused on winning this game because you don't want to finish in second place if you don't have to. So uh, if Iowa wins, the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl, it's going to be one of those two. It's going to be based on the matchups and how they rank. I mean, right now they're fourth. They have the potential for upward mobility to possibly third behind uh, uh, ahead of Oklahoma with a win because they would have that 13th game and a win over a quality opponent. Uh, Otherwise, they could be at fourth. And as it stands right now, Clemson's number one and it'd be in the Orange Bowl. Okay, time for your prognostication. I'm going to help set it up a little bit here. You have a 12-0 undefeated Iowa Hawkeyes team, Big Ten West winner, Big Ten Coach of the Year in Kirk Ferentz, going up against Michigan State, which has been 5-1 and in games decided by a touchdown or less this season, and in a real oddity, they defeated both Michigan and Ohio State on the road this year in the final play of regulation without ever holding the lead the entire game in either one of those contests. So what are you thinking about 
Saturday night. This is going to be a white-knuckle ride for both teams. This is going to be three and a half hours of tents <laughs> for whoever is the fans on both sides. Uh, you're looking at teams that are kissing cousins. They're the same type of team built in the same type of template, which is toughness, physical, run the ball, stop the run, arrive in ill humor, if you will. I think this is going to come down near the end. In the past, Iowa-Michigan State, it's usually been 16-13, flip a coin. I, I think both offenses are a little bit better than that, and they have better quarterbacks. So I think you're going to see a little bit more of a shootout at times. I, I would not surprise me in the least if we get inside of four minutes to go. One team has the ball up three or down three, and it's going to come down to a couple big plays in the last four to five minutes. Michigan State has been on this stage. They've been on the stage repeatedly, and they've won most of these games. They've won Big Ten championships, Rose Bowls, Cotton Bowls. They have a quarterback who's 22-2 and two against Big Ten competition. However, there's something about this Iowa team through the course of the year. They have such balance. They have toughness. They have grit. They have a chip on their shoulder. Michigan State has been able to apply it in certain games. They can't apply it now. When it comes down to the fourth quarter, the toughness, all the things that they learned in, in January, they dealt with on in the weight room. They dealt with, with the fallout from Matt's football and what have you. I think comes back for Iowa. I, I expect this to be as tough and hard and fought of a game as we've ever seen. I like Iowa to go 13-0 and and win 31-27. Hey! Is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. The Iowa Hawkeyes are off to the Big Ten Championship game with an unblemished record. Call it what you want, but it is a play-in game for the Hawkeyes in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium next week. They win, you got to put them into the college football playoff. What a run by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And the Heroes Trophy belongs to Iowa in the fifth meeting as Big Ten foes. The Hawkeyes are undefeated 12-0 on their way to Indianapolis with a potential shot at the college football playoff. Final score 28-20. Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. Also be sure to check out all of the Hawkeyes stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week, and special thanks, as always, to Scott Docterman and Steve Batterson. It's a very busy and intense work week for them. We really appreciate their time and insight into the Iowa and Michigan State teams and in the Big Ten football championship game. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com, one passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.